This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 267 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. This is Reese Koffler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Fergus, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Just recent high today. I know. No, Glenn doesn't. I don't know. Glenn. I think he doesn't like us anymore. <laughs> he only comes on once in a while to tell us what to do. Yeah. He basically comes on, tells us what to do, and then leaves us. <laughs> oh, well. It's okay. Yeah. I like hanging out with you on right. Thursday night, Philip. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Um, so oh, I guess we well yeah I'm sorry I mean that's good we, we are having yeah. a long day today right we are we, we are, are actually yeah yeah we're recording we're kind of a double episode that's why we're not gonna have any real good new news for you guys today and yeah stuff like that I know Philip's a Maybe. good sport I I am going um you guys have been part of my journey on this leadership group but I have my last trip with my leadership group uh, and we are going I'm really looking forward to it we're going to Virginia Pennsylvania and New York and we're seeing we're going to Gettysburg and we're going to um, oh gosh orchards and dairies and and it's going to be a really really fun interesting trip so I think we are going to a standard bread track which I've never been to a standard bread track so that will be fun nothing I'm not going to have a standard bread track in town yeah, but I don't think I've I I haven't been there for the races. Oh, honestly, they have great they have great meal deals. I've heard. Oh well, how do you know that? Or drink, or That's drink great. deals. I think I was driving <laughs> by. It. I think I was driving by it one time, and there was like a really cheap drink drinks and dinner deal or something. I was like, oh, we should <laughs> Who go there. Who knew? Philip knows more about my town yeah, than I do. Yeah, I I haven't really. I've never been to the races there. So honestly. Uh, in my whole life of living in Kentucky. So that'll be fun. So th- that's not the most exciting part of our journey for sure. But um, it should be really fun. I'm looking forward to going to Gettysburg. They have a leadership pro- pro- program there that we're going to do. Um, so I'm really looking forward. I've always wanted to go to Gettysburg. So um, so we are recording a double show. So we don't have a great news segment uh, <laughs> because it hasn't happened yet. But, but we um, have a WEG update. But- we have a WEG update, which is really, really yeah. fun. So from I hope everybody enjoys this WEG update from France. Yeah. And we'll be well, back with you in a second. They've been hosting and stuff. There's yeah. Lots of good stuff going lots on. Lots of good stuff going on. So <laughs> enjoy this WEG update. Well, I am back with our WAG update for 2014, and I am with Darlene Ricker, our reporter for the WAG. She's the editorial director and CEO at Equestrian Authors LLC out of Lexington, Kentucky. Hi, Darlene. How many days left? Hi, Glenn. Well, we are down to, it's less than two months now. It's 52 days. Wow. the opening ceremonies. And that'll go by really quickly. I know that from past experience. It seems to fly by. Tell us, uh, we just got done with some test events last weekend, and they've been doing test events all along here, but this was test events for dressage and jumping in the big stadium. So, you know, let's talk a little bit about the stadium first and, and what we have in that. Okay. Um, those two events were held in Donano Stadium, which is the main stadium on the main grounds in Kong. And that is a beautiful, beautiful, renovated uh, 
soccer stadium, which they call football, of course, over there. So it's really a sports arena. It's very different than most venues that you'll see here in the U.S. It is, it is surrounded by, it has stadium seating, of course, as you usually would have, but this is surrounded on all sides by seating. So it's like a bowl. Um, it's very, very large. Um, well, the thing about the soccer stadiums is the the seats tend to be I don't know how to say this uh, with with our stadiums or football stadiums here in the United States they tend to be more upright they there's a mm-hmm. harder angle to the seating and what I've noticed about the soccer stadiums and it appears this one's that way is that the seating is not as at much as much of an angle um, so it is truly more of a, a, a wide open bowl shape it is and you feel like in most of the seats, you feel like you're sitting on the field. You, mm-hmm. you feel like you're part of it, and that's the horses notice that as well. It, it's different for uh, some of the horses who haven't competed in Europe. There are other stadiums like that in France, similar setup, but it's not common here in the U.S. or elsewhere. Well, now there were two, te- you know, two things: uh, the dressage, which happened uh, last weekend, and they had a number of riders come in to do the test. To, to do the test, and you know, a test event is not a, a horse show. It is really a, a chance for riders. One, the, the riders agree to do it because they want to see the venue and get a get a little bit of a head start. But it's mostly for the organizers of the event, the FEI, and everybody else to coordinate and get their act together and make sure they have everything right before the before the main event. That's right. It's as uh, Fabien Grobon, the CEO of the uh, of Normandy Games, said to me. It's that old saying: "The devil's in the details." Um. So at that at this point, it is the details. It's how it's all the nitty gritty. It's procedures. It's the footing. It's reporting the results, the technology, um, and really, it's how the teams work together, how they plan to work together at the actual event. And I don't mean by teams national federations. I mean the NOC, Normandy Organizing Committee, the different teams for the games. In other words, the volunteers the people running the stabling, the people reporting the results, um, because they all have to work together. And that's really what makes a big, big part of what makes a World Equestrian game successful or not is how smoothly they run. And that comes so down real- that comes down to the people cleaning the stalls, providing the bedding, providing the hay, providing the feed. I mean, it's just everything. It is everything. Yeah. And also, as you said, it's not a horse show. These test events are not like a horse show, nor are they a dress rehearsal for the games, which a lot of people think they are. It, it's the testing. It's not, it's not an exact replica of what will be at the games. And another reason for that is, you know, the organizers, and they've said this, they want to leave a lot of surprises. They don't want you, someone to go to the test event and then say, well, okay, I've seen it. I don't, know, I don't need to go to the real thing. Um, they set up jumps, of course, for the jumping test events, but... They were more testing the placement of the obstacles, um, the light, the shadows uh, at, uh, at, on the arena at different times of day, because those events, some were in the morning, some were later in the afternoon. Um, so they will use actually different jumps, different obstacles, and have different decor and decorations in the arena at the actual games. Well, you know, one of the things, too, it's kind of weird seeing all the pictures with nobody in the audience, but um, 
one, one of the things I saw, I read a, a bunch of the quotes from the writers. Carl Hester was there, and there were a bunch of others there as well. And, and it seemed to be pretty positive from what I saw, the, uh, what the writers That's were saying. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Um, overall, I didn't hear anything negative per se. Everything that I heard was positive. Um, Carl Hester, yes, of Great Britain, who did very, very well, of course, in the dressage. Um, and Gareth Hughes, also of Great Britain, had a lot to say. They just said the footing was very, very even. It was nice. It was springy. It was as it should be. And they said it held up really, really well. Um, and something interesting about that footing, um, both for dressage and for jumping, they're not planning, as of now anyway, they're not planning to water it during the day. You know, when you're at a normal horse show, the water truck comes mm-hmm. out a couple of, several times. Um, that footing is designed so that they're planning to water it late, late, late in the evening. And that they expect that that will hold up throughout the entire following day. They said unless it is very, very, very dry conditions. So, back to your question. That the dressage riders, yes, they were very pleased with the footing, with the arena, with the setup. Yeah, and the barns, the whole thing. I mean, I really didn't see any negatives coming out of that. No, yeah. the barns um, are beautiful. Um, they're, they're a lot like they were in London. Right now, let me think, for the test event, they built 200 boxes, 200 stalls. They're building 100 more before the games open in August. So there'll be 300 stalls at any given time? Right then, right okay. there at the main okay. at the main stadium and other stabling at at the other venues, the stalls are three by four meters, which is approximately ten feet by fourteen feet. They have let me see, almost twenty wash racks. They decided to keep synthetic turf, you know, which is what the footing is. I mean, the ground is anyway at that type of arena. They decided in the stalls to keep instead of putting in something else. They're keeping the synthetic turf. Um, because it's kind to the the horse's legs and joints. And in, in the nitty-gritty there is the finalizing the oh the electricity, the ventilation, the the height of the outlets, the all that type of thing. Huh. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Well then we went on to jumping and they did invite crowds in for jumping and they came. They did. Um the stadium there holds 21,000, which is basically the same as Greenwich, Stadium, Greenwich Park was in London 2012. That's 23,000 there. And at the test event for jumping, um, at most of the rounds, there were about 6,000 spectators. So those, those seats were about, a, the stadium was a third full, which okay. is really quite good. Yeah. And it was very loud and very cheering. And, of course, the French riders did very, very well, as was expected. Um, And the jumping, and you had largely a French crowd there, although there were other nations there as well. So it was quite raucous and rowdy and um, pretty good taste of what the games will be. And they had a torrential rain at one point, didn't they? Yeah. That was the biggest news of everything. And the thing is, that's actually good in a weird right. way. Well, um, so they can test you, that, too. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's about the I don't hate to say it, because uh, it could be worse. But in my mind, that's about the worst that can happen at a 
an international horse event. Um, and you may remember, Glenn, at the 2010 Games here in Lexington, when they had the test event the, the year before for endurance. Oh, it was awful. It was, yes, it was was an entire day of like 10 inches of rain. It was awful. (laughs) Right. And Emmett Emmett Ross, who was the discipline manager there, I I spoke with him and I remember him telling me, this is the worst day of my life. He was about to hang himself. You know, the thing went off. The test event went off and everything was okay, but it was miserable. It was miserable for everybody involved, the riders, the reporters, the the volunteers, the judges. It was a miserable, yucky Kentucky day. (laughs) It was. So everyone was delightfully surprised when we had the actual games, and Endurance Day was fabulous. Yeah, I mean, the mud. Oh, the mud. That's one thing Kentucky can get is mud. I mean, there was a ton of mud. Right. Oh, it was a mess. (laughs) And and those torrential downpours. And, you know, we won't be surprised if if there is rain in Normandy at some point over those 16 days. Um, so anyway, it's actually good that it happened. And Lauren Huff, um, the U.S. rider who, who competed there in the, the jumping test event, said that she was um, actually glad for that same reason, that it had rained. And she said that the footing held up well, um, except that for a short time, just a couple of rides after the rain had stopped, she said the the footing got just a little bit sticky, and that's something they're working on, and they're going to have that all fine-tuned before um, the actual games. But here's what happened during that. That was during that was on the last day, the 26th, Thursday, during the Grand Prix. Um, and during the first round of the Grand Prix, all of a sudden the skies opened, didn't happen for very long, but it was lo- just like in Kentucky, long enough. It doesn't take long when it rains that hot. Thunder, lightning, hell, brimstone, damnation, everything. Just absolute downpour. Um, they had to halt the competition for 30 minutes. Um, and poor Dirk Diemersman of Belgium was riding right when the sky opened up. So he completed his round. They called everything off. Um, it rained again a little bit in the jump off, but not so much. Um, we did notice that there were, you know, the rain affected the ride somewhat as it it has to, to some degree. I don't care how good the footing is. Um, there were fewer clear rounds after the rain, but other than that, after the first couple of rides, after the hold, it really seemed to uh, to bounce back, and that's something that they have taken into consideration very much with the footing in, in all the arenas um, that they're building in Normandy. So, so overall, I think it was pretty successful, and uh, and it you know looked like people were pretty happy with everything. Now, is that the last of the test events? Do we have any more before the games? Fifty days from now. That is the the last of the test events, and the organizers have told me that they really learned a lot from them. Even though they all ran very smoothly, there's always something you can learn, and they said they feel they are 95% ready, so they have 5% more. Well, you're, you're never 100% ready. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I I know that. I used to do events and shows. You're never 100% ready. And if you say you are, you're lying. 
<laughs> well, well, that's great. So we just are in the countdown phase now. I know tickets are still available. There's still a lot of events left with uh, tickets available. And when you have stadiums with 20,000 seats, uh, that's, that, that helps that. But, that's right. And you can go on the website, uh, normandy2014.com, find information, tickets, lodging, even interviews with the riders. There, there is pretty much anything you need is there if you're still thinking of going. And there are still rooms, and there are still tickets. And what's your website, Darlene? Equestrianauthors.com. Glenn, you might want to spell that because of my accent. Equestrianauthors.com, like a writer. There you uh, go. Yeah, there we go. Well, good. Well, thank you so much, and we're going to be getting you back more often now in the lead-up to the games. And then, of course, during the games, you're going to be checking in via Skype from France. So we're looking forward to those reports as well. We'll try and get them out as many of the different shows as we can. So are you going to be hitting all the different events while you're there or trying yes, to? I'll, yes, I'll be there the whole time. Mm-hmm. Terrific. Very good. Thank you, Darlene. was a really cool update i just i'm so jealous of everyone going to france it just sounds so fun can't wait for the games actually you know mm-hmm. what i can't wait for have you seen the lineup for Aachen? oh Aachen's gonna all be the awesome. top riders are gonna never, be there huh yes it's like the I've pre-wag never. showdown oh it's so exciting Codeless, i've never been to yeah allegro yeah and all 80 percent club yeah, I don't know if he's made the 80% club, but Isabel there just made the 80% club. So, yeah. of course, Damon so made the 80% club. I, oh, I, I think so. If not, he's come very close. But I don't, I don't know who the, what, what the Dutch combinations are going to Aachen. But there'll be yeah. a bunch of Americans. Bunch of Americans. So it's going to be so exciting. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I hope we can watch it. Find find some way to watch it. I'm sure there's a way we'll to do it. it. Yeah, we will stream it. We will give you guys stuff. the. The website for sure. Well, we have a great show tonight, don't we, Philip? Yeah, tell me about it. Yeah, so we have t- tonight, we have um, a good friend. We're checking in with Rachel Calibria from Texas. She is our um, trainer who we told not to be a trainer, but she did it anyways. And she just did a very, very cool European journey to Germany. Um, and she's going to tell us about it. She did her prereq for her certification. And her it's a really cool. It sounded yeah. really awesome, yeah. It sounded awesome. I wanted to go, but she said you have to jump. You have so. to jump high. Hi. So that kind of, you know, took it out for me. But she is fabulous. And she told us all about her trip to to Germany. So looking forward to that. And to end, we have a total saddle fit trainer tip of the week. So we're going to look forward to that. It's a listener question this week. Yeah, we're going to answer some listener email, which we love to do. So so that's that's cool. It's great. I think it's gonna be a fun show. It is, absolutely. So right after this commercial break from Benefab, we are going to go talk with Rachel. And we are lucky enough to talk about our Benefab products that we received a couple weeks ago that I am in love with. I am still uh, using that blanket on my leg, uh, which has been really helpful with circulation yeah, you, I after think surgery. I hope you don't wear that thing out. We're going to have to keep I, I getting think updates, I, I, about, uh, updates about your blanket and how and. Uh, I know. And how it's, it's going. It'll be me, like, you know, little kids take their blanket everywhere. I, I, I think it's <laughs> yeah. a good idea. Yeah, I think I'm going to take it with me on my leadership trip so I can wrap up in it at night. So very, that's a great tip, Philip. I love it. So my Benefab blanket is fabulous, really helping with my circulation in my leg right now as I am sitting with my foot up from surgery. So um, loving, loving that. 
Well, we also we also got some great socks. Are you able to we get the sock did. on your foot? Or I can't get I can't get the sock on my foot because it's wrapped up. But I I was wearing the socks a lot before surgery because I was having so much you problems so much with pain my feet. In your feet, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, and absolutely phenomenal. I would wear them at night. Actually, I would go to sleep with them, and really, really amazing product. And it really did help me stay out of surgery a little bit longer. Uh, finally, finally grabbed me, but um. So I and we're all on our feet a ton. Um, yes, yes. And I, 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 I love the socks. You know, I just wanted to to bring up the socks. I wondered if you can get your foot into them because I know you were wearing yeah. them a lot before. And mm-hmm. uh, mine are um, constantly being washed because I don't like to wear socks day after day. Yeah. But I mean, I'm like, oh, I gotta throw these in. So it's helping me actually to do more laundry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Meredith loves sort that. Of kind See of a, a weird hidden- way. But, uh, yeah, I'm like, Benefab. oh, I want to wear my Benefab socks. Got to get them clean, yeah. you know, sort of thing. Not in the dryer, of course. Yeah, it's not in the dryer. I think maybe Benefab will send you another couple pairs of socks, man. Maybe. <laughs> but, maybe. But yeah, I, so I don't have to wear the same ones every day. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. But they really are great socks. And I'm looking forward to wearing them in the winter because I really think they're going to keep my feet warmer because of increased circulation. So it'll be I great can, as I soon as I – guarantee it. Yeah, and to, as soon as I get my bandage off my foot, it's gonna, they're literally going to be the first socks I wear because they'll help with the circulation uh, post-surgery. So who knew that I, we would get so much benefit from them? So wonderful I'll, I'll keep products. everybody updated about how, you know, how many washes I get. Maybe I'll start counting the washes. I know. Because they look is great. Loving. I mean, they just pop right yeah. out of the wash and yeah. hang them up to dry. Thanks. They look great. Great. Stuff. And Meredith is happy you're doing more laundry. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Well, Perfect. we want to thank Benefab for our products. They're wonderful. And if you have any questions about the products, feel free to give Benefab a ring or Philip and I. We'd love to talk to you about them. Well, I am looking forward to this interview because Rachel Calibria is one of our favorite listeners and she's awesome. And we're keeping in touch with her career as she becomes a trainer. And she, well, she is a trainer, but as she goes down the journey of becoming a trainer and the continuing education needs uh, for trainers and riders in the U.S. So she has a great um, story about where she went in Germany. So I hope you enjoy. Well, it is so fun tonight. We have our biggest fan and the one person that didn't take our advice, which we appreciate, (laughs) Rachel Calabria. She is our trainer in Texas who did not take our advice, but she just had an awesome trip to the Westphalian Driving and Riding School near Munster, Germany. And we are friends on Facebook. And Philip and I uh, are keeping in touch with Rachel to see how her career is going. So, Rachel, I was so excited to have you come on and update us on what you've been up to and your journey to become, or or now you are a dressage trainer. I am like it's legitimate now. It's, it's it for is. real. <laughs> um, it is. I'm. I feel like it's such a privilege to be able to come back on and and tell you that it's it's legit. So hi, <laughs> hi, legit dressage yeah. trainer. Hi. We're so proud of you. We are yeah. truly very very proud of you, and so glad you did not take our advice to not to become a dressage trainer. So. Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, tell, tell us about tell us, this trip. Yeah. How did this trip to Germany all yeah. come about? Oh, oh my gosh. It, it was, it, it's the trip of a lifetime. First of all, it's, it's amazing. Um, I'm down here in, in hot Texas and, and to just get out of the weather and go see cooler weather was amazing. Um, so yeah, I went to the West Bay and, um, I like to abbreviate and just say the writing school. I didn't actually do any driving. Um, uh, just outside of Munster and, um, so it's a it's about a three week course. It's um, it's through the German FN, 
and it's actually a, a rider um, certification program. They have several levels, um, and I had to do my prerequisites for the trainer <clears throat> program that I'll be doing in September. So I passed, which is really good. Um, and it's, it's a combination of dressage and jumping and theory, and you're tested in, in all three aspects. So the language barrier can get a little interesting, but um, everybody tries really hard to, to communicate the best. And um, it's a really, really spectacular opportunity because they have such a great um, system and a great program. If anybody has any inkling of the German system, it's really look into it. It's a great system. Um, but they really make sure that you're pretty proficient and um, you, you get a little bit of a butt kicking, which is always really nice. Um, but you really come away a completely different rider. They really kind of drag the good stuff out of you and get rid of some of the bad. And, and it's such a tremendous experience. So how did you find this school? This is really cool. I didn't even know it existed, to be honest. Yeah. Um, so my mentor, uh, Michael Rorman, is uh, a German, and he um, wanted me to come and get certified through the FN, and he recommended the school to me. There's actually a couple in Germany that um, that you can get certified through in English, um, which is important if you're not proficient in the Deutsch. Um, but he recommended the one in, in um, Westphalia because it's the closest to him, and he could come, you know, keep an eyeball on me if I was too terribly naughty. Um, but a really good reference is uh, the woman's name is Linda Christie, and her website is people2horses, um, P-E-O-P-L-E-T-O-H-O-R-S-E-S, dot com. And she is kind of the English liaison to the school, and her website has got all kinds of really helpful information as far as the expectations, how long you're going to be there. Um, you, you need to have a little proficiency in jumping and dressage. And so you need to kind of have an idea of what you should be doing and, and how you should prepare to be there. Um, but so if anyone is interested, definitely look at her website. Um, and, and it gives you a really good idea of the curriculum you'll be studying and kind of what you can expect to walk away with um, as far as training and certification and that type of thing. Well, Rachel, you can tell us. We don't need to look it up. You can tell us. What should you be able to do? What are you going to be leaving with? Come on, let me sure. know. Sure. So um, you really ride all day, every day, except for these brilliant little breaks that you take to go do some theory in the classroom, um, which is, is totally spectacular. I'll tell you about the instructors in just a second because it blew my mind, both of them. Um, so you ride the dressage in the morning, and you'll, you're on a school horse, which is really nice and handy. And uh, then you come in and you do some theory and you talk about anything from the aids or stable management or how to fit tack or even ethics for being a rider or a trainer or a barn manager, for example. Um, and so that's kind of all encompassed in the theory. And then in the afternoon, you'll go have your jumping lesson and yes, us dressage people have to get stretched and uh, conquer our fears a little bit and, and go over some pretty lofty jumps. I, I think my idea of his jump is maybe Cavaletti. Uh, how big? These are how big do I have Yeah, how, how, how big? big? <laughs> That's what I need to um, know. So for the rider pass I just took, it was, I think, 80 centimeters. 
not really good with the the number yeah. uh, translation. And then for the trainer pass, I'll have to jump a meter ten. Wow. So that's, it's that's three meter nine. Meter ten is big. Eighty. That's three nine. That's yeah. three nine. Yeah, it's that's, a fence. Oy. It's a fence for sure. That's yeah, a, that's a jump. Oi. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Um, and then I'm out. After you, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> no, you'd be fine. No, um, I'm out. And then after that, you have some more theory. You can do it. The school horses are brilliant. Um, they they're they're certainly not push button because that's not fun. Um, but if you kind of uh, stay in your position and do the correct things, they're just they're lovely. Um, I I did have one little um, interesting incident. I didn't have the dignity uh, to get totally dumped off, but my horse was very kind and let me just step off when we had kind of a, a little run in with the fence. Thank you, Redonda. I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, so you really kind of get the whole package. You run the gamut from being able to ride and have a good understanding of, of the theory of riding, how you ride on the, on the contact and where the driving aids come in and bending and all these fun things. And then as well as strides and the jumping, for example, and even the contact and jumping is a little bit different, but pretty, pretty similar. Um, and then the instructors, oh my gosh. So I'm a little embarrassed to admit that I was not as familiar with Mr. Stefan Wolf as I probably should have been. Um, his absolute patience and never ending knowledge is such an amazing thing to be able to ride with. If you don't know who he is, look him up, learn about him. If he comes to your town, ride with him. He's terrific. Um, but he is kind of the English teacher there. And so we rode with him every day and we really got to know one another. I think there were maybe some tears from a few of the students, but he <laughs> absolutely wants you to do well. And he's so encouraging. Um, yeah. So Mr. Stefan Wolf, thank you. If you ever hear this, you're a blessing <laughs> and, and really patient with us. And we all completely appreciate it. So, so you were okay speaking English. You did not have to be proficient in German to go to the school. Certainly not. No, they have a, an English program that um, really draws people from all over because it's it's becoming you know more of a common language. We had um, a, a girl from Dubai. We had a girl from Panama. Um, there's been students from um, South Korea and Australia and. England, and we had a girl um, from uh, South Africa. So you really get a, a good, diverse group of students. Each class for the English speaking has between 10 and 16 students. Um, you can live dorm style. They have these, I, I think it's spa living, really. You live on top of the barn and um, you get your own little dorm, which is pretty cool. Um, you wake up, you do barn chores, and then you ride, and then you do theory, and then you ride, and then you do theory. And then you all sit down and have dinner and laugh about the day, and you get up and you do it all over again for three weeks. Sounds like fun. Yeah. Sounds, was, sounds, sounds like my, sounds like my life, up. actually. <laughs> yeah. I had my fingers dug in the dirt as I was being dragged out on the last day. I didn't want to go. Um, but I missed my students and my ponies, so I've... I did come back, but I'm excited to be back in, in September for the trainer course. And the trainer course, tell us a little bit about that. So the trainer course is a little different. Um, you certainly have to do the riding proficiency, jumping and dressage. 
uh, you do the theory exam as well. And then this time they throw you two curveballs. One is the lunging exam. So uh-huh. you do have to be able to lunge a horse. And then the next exam is a teaching exam. So you have a, um, a dummy student, you know, they, you have a volunteer and they come be your student and you actually give a lesson for the judges and they judge you on, um, you know, your availability in the ring and were you clear in your ideas and were you relatable with the students and did you have a good game plan? And they're all things that are so important because we spend a lot of time teaching and, maybe have never been taught how to teach. I think, especially for me in the beginning, you kind of stumble through it and find things that work and find things that don't work. So it's, I'm really excited to um, have my teaching skills to teach. Well, that's super. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for sharing your time with us and, and how it went. And we look forward. I would love an update to hear how it goes in September. So if anyone was needing more information or just wanted to get a hold of you online, how would they do that? So they could visit my website. It's got all my contact info on it. My website is C, the letter C, and C, sporthorses.com. Hi, Glenn here, and we are very excited to welcome our first network-wide corporate sponsor, and that's EasySignsOnline.com. I have the founder of that company with me, Wayne. Hello, Wayne. Hello, Glenn. Welcome to the network. We're very excited to have you as our official sign company for the Horse Radio Network. And uh, I know Easy Signs Online has been around for a long time and is one of the leading manufacturers of farm signs in the country. Well, thank you. It's good to uh, be aboard, and we look forward to creating some great farm signs for your customers as well. Well, you know, I know that you you started how long ago, Easy Signs Online? It's been about uh, 14, 15 years now. And you started with farm signs? I started with exclusively horse farm signs and have since branched into business signs, farm signs, uh, re- retail signs of any kind. Churches, all kinds Churches, of a lot of churches we do. Housing developments? You name it, yes, yeah. uh, yes. Well, now you uh, you do, you offer a wide variety of science, and the, one of the reasons that uh, we're we're excited that we're going to be dealing with you, you offer all different price points. No matter what size farm, whether you have this the, a small personal farm with two horses in the backyard, or a large farm with a hundred horses, and and your breeding farm or a training farm, it doesn't matter. You have a sign to fit all of those budgets. Correct. We have small signs and large signs to fit just about any any uh, farm budget out there. Yes. And now you have also. Uh, I know uh, you work with them to create custom signs with their logos, and and your your artists are are very experienced at doing that. Just about everything we do, even even the the day to day run of the mill signs are are custom to some extent. But yes, we can get very elaborate and very detailed with the custom work that we can do. So no two signs are alike. Now you've done a number of signs for our hosts, including Jamie of the Horses in the Morning Show, Flyover Farm, and she has it out in front of her house. And that was a custom sign, you know, that was unique. She wanted a jumping horse and a jet fighter, and they put together a really neat sign for that. Your artists, yeah, that's just a. a- a quick example of, of what uh, what can be done. And in fact, that uh, if anybody wants to see it, there's a picture of that on the home page uh, in this rotating slideshow at the top. You can see a picture that she sent me after she mounted it in front of her farm. 
Now, as far as price points, you have, as I said, you have anything from from stall nameplates uh, for for what uh, you know thirty forty dollars thirty nine bucks they start and uh, they can go up from there. You can get very elaborate with very big carved text gold leaf style signs. Uh, so you know it's it's pretty uh, unlimited as to what you can get on your sign. But if I want one for out in front of my farm, what options do I have? I have a I know there's a number of different styles and. Well, for the horse farm signs, the most popular style we offer is what we call New England style signs. And our website features a very unique step-by-step process where you can go through one step at a time, choose your sign size, choose your sign style, and and it keeps a, a good track of what you choose and all of the prices along the way. So you can see exactly what you're getting into. And there's something else that makes these unique, and, and a, lot of the, a lot of us that have been around a while are used to the farm signs that we first had that were wooden. We had wooden farm sign, big one, out in front of our tack shop when we had our tack shop in the 1990s. Now, it was made of wood, and it was painted. It was very pretty for about three years, and then it, the weather started getting at it. It started flaking, and after about five years, it looked like a mess. Right. Will right. that happen with these? No, we do not use any wood in any of our signs specifically for that reason. Wood is great. It was the the sign board of choice many years ago, um, but with modern uh, plastics, PVCs, aluminums, uh, it it eliminates that um, decay that you'll get with your typical painted wood sign. And they are painted. They're vinyl, right? These are, for the most part, they're going to be a, a high-performance vinyl that's applied to the uh, the smooth surface of the sign board, so there's no maintenance with this. Uh, there's nothing to warp, nothing to rot, split, peel, fade, whatever. And so they last for years? They last for many years, yes. As well as our popular line of New England-style signs, we also have uh, a very uh, extensive collection of economical outdoor signs, vinyl banners, stall nameplates. We can do vinyl graphics for vehicles, magnetic uh, signs for your, your truck and trailer. And I know you, I know you do a lot of uh, magnetic signs for trucks and trailers for horse people for their farms. Yes, just uh, keep in mind. Uh, doesn't stick to an aluminum trailer. It doesn't trailer. stick to an aluminum trailer. <laughs> that that uh, that has come across the uh, the the phone waves a few times. So. Yeah, it will stick to your metal car, but not yes, <laughs> to your aluminum trailer. Most aluminum trailers, you'll have to get a vinyl decal, not a magnetic sign. One of the things that I really like about the website and dealing with uh, you guys over at EasySignsOnline.com is how easy you make it and how simple a process. You make it from getting, uh, you know, my artwork to you and getting the sign designed and, and the approvals back. How long does that process take from the time I order to I'll have the sign at my farm? Well, most of the sign products we offer, the first thing we're going to do after we get your order is have our graphics department sit down, lay out the design, and we will email you a full color sign proof. So you will get to see exactly what it looks like. Obviously, changes can be made to suit, uh, but once we get your approval, Typically, uh, the the signs uh, take about two weeks in production, unless you get one of the more elaborate carved style signs. Then they're three to four weeks in production. But overall, it's it's fairly fast uh, turnaround. And as a special offer for Horse Radio Network listeners, in addition to the free shipping that you get for most uh, orders over a hundred dollars, and that can be save you a lot of money considering the size of some of the signs and the shipping costs involved. We, are, we have an offer that's going out to Horse Radio Network listeners that if you order a sign over $500, 
the the business that orders that sign, whether it's a farm or breeding farm, a, a personal farm, whatever it is, you'll get a free promotional interview on one of the Horse Radio Network shows. And that's worth hundreds of dollars right there. So you can join us on the network. You can advertise your business. You can get the word out on the network in addition to your sign as a benefit of uh, for listening to Horse Radio Network and for ordering your sign through EasySignsOnline.com. So free shipping, free promotion, free advertising, all for your business, for all just for ordering a sign for e- from EasySignsOnline.com, the official sign maker of the Horse Radio Network. You can find it all at EasySignsOnline.com. Now we have our uh, dressage training tip brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth. Uh, we always do a training tip uh, every week, so um, this week it's brought to you by this awesome shoulder relief girth that we've talked about before. I love my shoulder relief girth. Denali <laughs> still loves it. He's not girthy with this girth, and that's a huge deal. So thank you, Total Saddle Fit. All right. Well, this week, Reese, we got a, a listener question from Gina, and she's, I'm going to read this out for us, so hold on for a second. Hello, Reese and Philip. I finally thought of a question to send in for your listener question segment. What exercises do you recommend for when you're sharing the arena with another rider or riders? It's one thing to work on lateral movement, serpentines, etc. when you're in the arena alone, but I am not as good as coming up with creative ideas when I'm stuck sharing with other riders. Assume yeah. that you're riding with another... Sorry, but I, I think that's about it. I mean, that's a good good summation i think um you know how do you how do you get out of following the leader mode sort of thing reese yeah that's a really good question you know i hear at my barn we're we're really spoiled because usually there's no more than three or four horses in the ring at the time and on saturdays we actually um you know some saturdays uh i i need to condense the day or whatever because i'm busy and so i say okay i want everybody in the ring or i'll be in the ring from eight to ten and then it's sort of a free ride. People come in and they ride when they when they want. And, uh, you know, sometimes it can get quite crowded. And I like that um, because a lot of times when people are having their lesson, uh, you know, it's maybe one or two other horses in the ring. And that can be a, an issue because, um, you know, obviously when you go to a horse show, there's going to be a lot of people in the ring. So there's a lot of good things about a you lot know, of people having, doing a lot of different stuff. Yeah, there, so everybody just exactly. Goes, you, you can totally get intimidated by riding. You know, everybody wants to get that shoulder in done, or somebody's doing half pass, and it's very intimidating to ride at a show with all oh, these yeah. massage riders. You know, and I and I think it's really good that um, you know this is a, a great question because at home, at least you know, in theory, you are riding with people um, that that you like and that you know most times, I'm sure, and and that you can work with and you can and kind of communicate maybe differently than you can at the horse show. At the horse show, I am a communicator. If I want to go down the center line, I holler out center line, or if I want to diagonal, I holler out diagonal, so everybody knows where I'm going. Um, and I, I would do the same when I'm riding with a lot of people in the ring. I think you got to keep your eyes up. You got to look where you're going and you've got to have a plan in mind. And I, you know, I I wouldn't, it is intimidating. I I went through this when I was in Germany and literally in like a small indoor arena. Yeah. I mean, it's a different, there's like 10 horses. It's bad here. Like, yeah, it's crazy. Oh, it's crazy. They're like literally 10 horses in a small ring and I'm not exaggerating. horses. Yeah. And you're like, oh my God. Doing ones and, but you know, they make it work, right? 
yeah, you make it work. And, and you know, I kind of found myself always riding toward the hole. Um, and as I got better and better, you know, riding in that kind of environment, then I just got better about holding the line that I was going to ride. So if I was going to ride shoulder in, I would ride it and I would I would do it safely, but I would kind of try to hold my line as much as I could. So well, I think that's that one helps. Thing. I think that helps the other riders too because yes. they you just keep riding what you're doing and somebody can mm-hmm. go around you, right? But if right. if if you're doing one thing and then you see somebody and then you change doing what you're doing. Then they don't know where you're going, right? But if you're just a riding, exactly. or you wobble, if you're riding a diagonal, yeah. just continue on, and and maybe other people already have a plan for going around what you're doing, right? Exactly. So that's the one thing. Um, and then always remember the rules of the arena: um, left shoulder to left shoulder. It's the same, I'm sure, in Canada. It was the same in Germany. Uh, you yield to the person that is doing the higher movement. So if somebody's obviously setting up for a half pass, it's not nice to hold your line and cut them off. Um, but if you're doing shoulder and let's say on the quarter line, they should be able to sort of ride around you. So hold your line, um, left shoulder to left shoulder, yield to the person with the higher level movement. And then the other one is Piaf and Passage sort of trumps everything. If somebody is Piafing and working on Passage, um, try to get away from that person as much as you can in a safe way. That's sort of, those are sort of your basic rules of the arena. But um, yeah, again, if you're riding a circle, um, stay to the inside of the track. That's another thing that drives me crazy. If you're riding a circle over and over and over again, which is fine, uh, that's great because then people know where you are. Stay to the inside so people can get around you. Yeah. I think that that's really important. You have to make your circle a little bit smaller. That's a lot easier than somebody trying to go in and out of your line, right? Like if if you're on 20, it's a lot easier for you to do 15 than for somebody to come in and go, you know, because you're on the wall. That part of your, anyway, sorry. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But yeah, I mean, it's it's easier for you you to condense your circle and expect somebody to condense their circle for you to ride the outside if you're going large. Right. Just, That's right? Exactly and right. call it out, you know? That's a yeah. communicate. If you want to go on the diagonal, yeah, just communicate. Diagonal, right? And I think most people are courteous enough that you know, especially if you say something, they put their head up and they look, right? And, you know, yep. a lot of a lot of uh, looking down riders, you know, may maybe maybe aren't looking for you or whatever, but I think a, a big tip for for this situation, I think riding at home and and trying to figure out how to get your own track is is just confidence. Just be confident. Mm-hmm. Make a plan and just do what you're going to do. It's fine to do serpentines if somebody else is in, in the arena, right? Or if That's two right. or three other riders are. Go ahead and do that. Make other people follow you around, right? I think that's, right. you know, it's just people get into not, be, not being that confident or whatever or, and call inside or outside or, you know, when, when, you're, when you're trying to go around people. But, you know, hold yeah. your line. Keep riding. It's going to be fine, right? I agree. I agree. You can't really change things too much. So um, I think that that's a really good good thing. Otherwise, you're riding somebody else's plan, and that's not really a great workout for what you're trying to do or what your horse is doing, or you know. And worst comes to worst, pick a circle at the end of the arena and just keep riding. You know, yeah. A lot of the work is on a circle, anyways. Just keep riding your circle. They'll go around you, and people will figure it out, right? That you're just working right here in the arena. I think maybe don't pick a circle in the middle of the arena and just stay. Yeah, that's not nice. You can find a corner to work in and do your thing. I think it's fine. Absolutely. 
yeah, keep doing your thing. Confidence. I like that. I like thinking that. And, and it is good practice because it, it does really throw a lot of people off when they go to horse shows and they're used to riding in a ring by themselves. Uh, like I said, we actively, there are times we actively try to simulate a warm up situation for everybody. And I think the more you do that and actually the more comfortable you are, yeah. the better off in the long run, actually you're going to be, cause yeah. you won't get to the horse show and be like, Oh my God, I, <laughs> I'm warming up for the horse show. And now I have, you know, five other horses in here. You're, you'll be used to it. So that's right. I hope that's that right. helps. Yeah. I hope that helps. And I think that's again, a good you, tip. That's a good tip yeah, for everybody. Yeah. Really I want to thank uh, total saddle fit for allowing us to bring you this great dressage training tip. And uh, maybe Reese, you can tell us about their shoulder relief girth a little bit. Yeah. Their shoulder relief girth is great. Like I said a little bit in the beginning, um, my young horse Denali, the special one, um, he was actually getting rubbed and, and is really sensitive in his, in his growth area. He, just the way his muscles are and the way his neck is, he's always had a lot of problems. So this shoulder relief girth, he does not try to bite you anymore when you put the saddle on. Yeah, it's he was been really, a really quite grumpy there for a little yeah, while, Yeah, he, he was really grumpy. And I, and I, you know, I patted the girth and I did all kinds of things. I changed the girth and then we were um, total saddle fit, uh, sent us a girth to try. And oh my goodness, it has made all the difference in the world. So I am a true believer in this because it's a great price point it's not super expensive and it's wonderful quality it's held up beautifully and my big guy is much happier when you put it on him so i love that girth i think it's great for horses that that are girthy or just horses that you know get rubs on their girth or just i think it helps uh, keep the saddle a little bit more forward i think that was the purpose and the idea behind it in the first place keeps the saddle where it should be not sliding back sliding side to side fits right around the contours of how the horse is built. It's been wonderful. I really, really yeah. like it. Use yeah, it, really. Using it on, uh, on a few horses anyways here at Albright. Yeah. And it's, it's nice. I'll have to get, I'll have to buy another one really. Yeah. Uh, exactly. You know, we get, you know, we've taken, oh, well, I, I can't get your saddle on because you want that girth on this horse and all that. So we're going to have to, I'm going to have to do something about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do something. But thank you so much for the, the, the trainer tip for sure. Well, everybody, you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My web- website is maplecrestfarmky.com, and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. You can find me at philipparksequestrian.com and my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Benefab and Total Saddle Fit this week. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back and we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>